This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to Connect with Community Waikato on Free FM 89.0. I'm Holly Snape. I am from Community Waikato. And Roseanne Murray with me today again. Thank you, Roseanne. Great to have you here. Kia ora. Thank you for inviting me along. Now, you've um, you've done a lot of work around the topic today, and it's not something that usually feels overly inspiring for people. Don't tune out right now, though, because it might be relevant. Today we're talking about changes to the Incorporated Societies Act. Many little organisations are incorporated societies. And so these changes are really quite fundamentally important to know and understand. So today we're going to talk a bit about what an incorporated society is, how you might know if you're an incorporated society rather than a trust. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what are some of the the bigger changes that um, are expected or have now been passed and and, and what is going to be um, required of our small you know, well, could be a large, incorporated societies to be um, consistent with the law. So that's our show. Probably sounds, look, yeah, I mean, this is always, it's it's the stuff that doesn't sound overly inspiring, but it is pretty important, eh? It's very important um, for, you know, your organisation if you are an incorporated society or even if you are thinking about becoming an incorporated yeah, society. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So look, can you tell me what one is for a start? Like, what is it? How do I know if I am one? Yeah, sure. So it's actually a legal structure of of an organisation. So, you know, you can actually have um, unincorporated societies or unincorporated trusts, you know, which is just an individual, you know, small group of people uh, with a very uh, informal sort of structure, like a a walking group, for example, where, you know, you just, there's no real major expenditure involved. You're not looking for grant funding or anything like that. And so, yeah, it's fine. You know, it could be just a social midweek tennis group or something like that and that's fine but look where you know you're looking to potentially have opening a bank account where you're looking to look for some you know grant funding Um, or could even be fundraised money that you're managing and just holding you're not required to but sometimes having some protections of incorporation yeah no most definitely having that legal structure behind you and it's so beneficial so look, it's it's where uh, as as a group you would apply to the incorporated societies register uh, to become a um, incorporated society. Uh, you would have a founding set of rules, which is called a constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, with the new uh, act, uh, you have to align to the new act. Um, you only need to have a minimum of ten members. But so this is a change. <laughs> yes, it is. It used to be fifteen, but with the new act, you only need a minimum of ten. But there must be ten ongoing members so you can't drop to below 10 yeah and you must uh have a register um with all the details um about each of the members like you know your name and address and contact details and that each year they have to somehow sign some sort of consent form yeah so Um, they've got to be giving permission eh, that they are actually members you can't just kind of call someone a member because they come along on your walking, you know, sessions. Yes. You know, they've actually had to have said, no, I'm a member of this. Yep. And then also you would have a a committee. You have to have a committee and officers like, you know, your president, secretary, treasurer. 
and um, you are, they are then elected at an annual general meeting each year. So the members um, get to vote in or even vote out um, <laughs> you, who is on your committee or not on your committee as such. Um, and that every year you would produce uh, a financial report um, which outlines, you know, what money comes in, what money has gone out, uh, and so that you would then uh, present that financial report and an annual report, just you know, talking mm. general about you know what you have done over that last twelve months period at that annual general meeting each year. How does this differ from a trust? So, how is a um, an incorporated society different from a charitable trust? Yeah, sure. So with a charitable trust, there's a, there's a different act that you have to apply under, and it's the 1957 Charitable Trust Act. Um, so look, instead of uh, being a committee, um, you are, or even a committee member as such, you yeah. are a trust. So you yeah. are trustees, yeah, and you're not elected at an annual general meeting every year. So on one hand, you know, we do say that an incorporated society structure is the most democratic, um, but it's also the most unstable. Because mm. it could change each year. Mm. Whereas a trust, you have a founding set of trustees and they would then look to form their set of rules, which is actually called a trust deed. And then when you may have that, that they have, say, like we're on for three consecutive terms of two years mm. or something, so when their term's coming up, they, as a group then, they might want to appoint an appointment panel. Mm-hmm. They will then look for maybe uh, applications for people to come on board as a new trustee. And within themselves, they appoint the new trustees. It's Mm. it's not um, elected by a membership at an annual general meeting. So you can see one is um, much more membership-driven and the other one perhaps is more focused on the purpose and so they need to perhaps appoint related to the skill sets, the knowledge... Um, There could be a range of reasons why someone's appointed onto a board rather than... Yeah, somebody else. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So you, you know, you would either be sort of looking at something around from an education perspective, um, yeah. looking to reduce poverty, and maybe from a religious perspective, mm. or it has a benefit to the community, yeah. whatever that community might be that you're looking to serve. So I think that gives us a good sort of sense of of what an incorporated society is. We've got a membership based um, legal entity. The incorporation element gives legal protections. Um, I don't know if you want to talk briefly to that. Yeah, look, it does. It, it does um, create that protection for your, your committee members or, or board members. However, in saying that, you're always, um, as part of your duties, to act in good faith. Yes, and, and act legally. Yes, and so you know the last thing you'll be doing is looking to sign up um, to, like, let's just say, purchase a van um, for $20,000 but you only have $3,000 in the bank account and no other real means to be able yes. to repay that that debt. Uh, and so, you know, um, your actions could then end up where the organisation is then adjudged bankrupt. Yeah. Now, you could actually be liable for that debt um, because you have actually not acted in good faith and mm. not acted legally and maybe not taken good counsel or advice on yeah. can we afford this? How can we repay the you know the, yeah. the loan or whatever it might be that you need? So you still have to be very mindful of being well informed when it comes to making decisions on behalf of yeah. your members. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're going to talk today about some of the changes. So so this has been going. How long has 
It's been going on a long time, hasn't it, the, these changes, the proposed changes to the Act? Yes, it has. So the original Act, for our listeners, was 1908. Yes, so it's uh, pretty old. It is, and we're now nearing the end of 2023. So, no, um, we're now into 2024. Oh, yes, sorry, my apologies. <laughs> God, yeah, we, we, I, you know, I keep forgetting it. It's like, you know, luckily we don't sign checks these days right. or write out checks these days. I remember always putting the wrong year when there's been a changeover. <laughs> now that we're into 2024, I know. Um, look, it's probably gone on for at least the last 10 years. Yeah, um, you know, there's been different changes of government, I suppose, and different people saying, you know, we need to change the legislation. It's it's too old. We need to, need to make sure it's fit for purpose for the now and, and the future yeah. of our organisations. And to be fair, a lot of our incorporated societies, and look, there's there's over 24,000 now across the country. Yeah. So it's, this is a big project. Um, for some of our incorporated societies that have been around since maybe the 50s and the 60s, they've probably not even changed their constitution yeah. since then. And, and they are your founding rules. Yes. And so we know that society has changed so tr- so much. And, and even the mahi that you're doing as a society may have changed so much. Um, so it's a matter of ensuring that um, your rules are fit for purpose. Yeah, and look, it's, it's a really... It's critical what you're saying there. And, and I think for people sort of going, well, what might have changed? A really good example is during COVID. And so a lot of these constitutions have um, quite clear procedures on how you can make decisions as an incorporated society. And that generally might, it could even have said a show of hands from, you know, the, the members in the room. Um, but we know, and, and no no ability to make electronic decisions, um, whether that's video conferencing, whether that's over email. Um, so a lot of constitutions are needing to be updated to um, include just more modern ways of decision making yep. and meeting. That's so true. And as you say, you know, during COVID, a lot of annual junior meetings were initially um, maybe delayed um, for say six months or so, uh, and then potentially, if people had the capability, they looked at taking them online. Yeah, yeah. And interestingly, some I know a couple of national organisations have continued to have them online because they've seen that it's actually saved them a lot of costs. Yeah, because they were flying people in from all over the country yeah. to do meetings. I mean, I know I've sat on a couple of boards based in Wellington, and that's certainly changed how often we're travelling which is reducing our carbon footprint at Community Waikato as well. Awesome. Pleased about that. <laughs> Pleased about that. Look, we're going to take a really short break, and when we come back, we're going to really hit on one of some of those those real key changes. Um, before yeah, before we go, we're going to be listening to a little bit of Poye. Oh, awesome. By the Party of Māori Club. Enjoy. I'm not a 
Absolute classic New Zealand music. Love it. Love it. Oh, yeah. Good old Patea. I'm originally from Taranaki. So, ah, your yeah, hood. My way. Yeah, my part of the world. Love it. Um, it's just one of those songs that always gets you feeling a little bit excited, I find. I just love it. Yeah. Um, speaking of love, I, I, I can't segue into this. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> but we're talking about the Incorporated Societies Act and the changes to it, and you're just going to run us through some of the, the I suppose, key ones as a start to be aware of? So, Yeah, most definitely, and I think, um, first of all, um, just probably around timelines. Um, yeah. We've been saying to people right now, don't panic. Um, we, we're getting a lot of organisations going, oh, my goodness, we know that the Act's changed and we've got to make some changes. You know, what do we do? So the first thing is, don't panic. Yeah. Um, there is a re-registration window. So every one of our 24,000 societies across Aotearoa need to re-register um, with the Incorporated Societies Act. And to do that, you need to review and update your constitution to ensure it um, does align with the new Act. The window, though, goes from now. So it came into effect on the 5th of October this year. And you have up until the 5th of April 2026. 2026. So you've got, you know, just over another two and a bit years um, to actually complete this process. Now, if you don't re-register by the due date, April 2026, you will automatically be deregistered. Um, off the Incorporated Societies register. If you were a group thinking, you know what, I don't think we're going to exist anymore, would you just let that lapse 
and I don't know if you know how to answer this, or should you go in and go through a process of deregistering? Or would that depend on if you had assets? Yeah, look, I think um, it would definitely depend on what sort of assets, you know, and what, how much money you've got in the bank account, that, yeah. that, that sort of thing. Um, you know, and it will depend actually what clause you have in your constitution around the winding up and, yeah. and what happens to those surplus of um, assets at the at the end. Look, I think in, in good faith and doing your due diligence, you should, you know, go through the right process. Yeah. Um, but I can't really answer for everyone yeah. as to what you would or wouldn't do. But mm. if it was me in that situation, I would still be working through that process because, yeah. you know, it, it's all about the reputation. And yeah. who knows, you might have a new iteration of your organisation in one to two years' time. Yeah. Uh, and um, so, yeah, you want to, like, leave on good terms as such. Yeah. That's, yeah. a good, that's a good point. Yeah, so, definitely. So what are some of the big changes that we yeah, can expect? Yeah, look, so I've already talked um, prior to our, um, our song, I talked a little bit about membership. Now, yes. now it's only a maximum of, a minimum, sorry, I should say, of 10 members. But every member needs to consent and have details of who your members are. And going forward, you also are going to need to still have a record of members who are no longer a member for up to seven years. Ah, didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, so so that's an interesting one going yes. forward. So really important to make sure you've got some good files yeah. and a good filing system uh, in place yes. and not just on someone's laptop that might die at yeah. any moment. Yeah, yeah. So or definitely. on scraps of paper somewhere. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Look, I think around, around your committee, um, interestingly, the old Act actually didn't state that you had to have a committee mm. as such, but the new Act does definitely define that, that you must have a committee. Uh, and that you must have a minimum of three committee members, which, you know, really is, yeah, makes sense. Sm- yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of committees probably have got too many members. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and you have your officers, and so that's like, you know, your typical president, secretary, treasurer type role. Yes. Now, interestingly, um, with the new Act, um, each of your officers actually have to complete. Um, a form, there's a proper form that you can download off the yeah. Corporate Society's register, that they are not disqualified to be an officer. So this is very much a bit more like corporate speak, you know, yeah. if you're the officer of a, of a corporation, you know, um, or on a you know, board of directors of, yeah. of, a, of a large organisation. So um, you cannot be under 16. Yes. All right. Uh, and you can't be someone who has previously been uh, an understar undischarged bankruptcy. Bankrupt. Yeah. Yep. So so you need to like declare that, you know. But if you're discharged bankrupt, which means you've served your time, so to speak, you've you've done your seven years or whatever you know you're bankrupted for, um, you're at that point a discharged Correct. Yeah. So yes. so then you could go on a, onto a board yes. after that. Yeah. So you have a certain period of time, yes. and once you've now been discharged as being a bankruptee, yes, you can then apply yeah. to um, become a, an officer of a an yeah. corporate society going forward. It sort of feels like you know, is the onus on? And again, I don't know if you can answer this, but is the onus on the the committee to do the checking, or, or is it on people being honest um, and running the risk? I suppose of being checked up by. Um, the company's office or, or something like that. Do we know how you ma- monitor that? Yeah, look, it's, 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 as you say, how do I answer that one? But, yeah. um, and it is going to be difficult for some organisations. And look, let's be fair, sometimes we're struggling to even find people to come onto committees. That's you right. Know, it's, it's getting harder and harder to get people to especially volunteer for for a committee. And sometimes it feels like, we'll just take whoever puts yeah. their hand up. Yeah. Um, but look, I think, you know, to safeguard 
um, your organisation and and the interests of your members. So yeah. you know we talk about um, stewardship, and it's when you know you've been entrusted with the, the management yeah. or, or the guardianship of an organisation. And so, you know, you need mm. to um, be mindful of who those people are that are making those decisions on behalf of your members. That's right. Especially when yeah. it comes around to your financials. Yeah. Um, you have yeah. to ensure that there's real transparency and real accountability with that going um, forward. I know Community Network Aotearoa, where I, I sit as a trustee, and we've been going through our constitution um, and, and looking at some of these things. And so we will have a very clear process about um, individuals requiring that they disclose and then sign a um, disclosure document essentially saying that they, you know, haven't been bankrupt or, you know, they are over 16, that they meet the criteria to be an officer essentially. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, those are simple processes eh, you can put in place just to to make sure that you're doing some due diligence. Yep. It's, it's a little bit like, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, getting people to fill out like police vetting forms yeah. when it comes to if you're working with young people, if you've got yeah. program delivery with, with young groups. And I know that at times it feels like there's so much more compliance out there for us. Yeah. Um, however, unfortunately, um, you know, you're looking to see how you can safeguard and, yeah. and protect, you know, your members plus the organisation and the reputation of your organisation. Absolutely. Which is so important, especially when it comes to looking for funding, um, funders, sponsors, whoever it might be. Um, so that reputation um, of your organisation is, is so critical to protect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's, that's part of, you know, I suppose that, that risk management of an organisation as well. Yeah. Your brand reputation as such. Yeah. Um, so what else is in the um, new Act that you need to ensure you've got in your constitution? Um, it sounds a bit straightforward, but you've got to have a contact person. And, yeah. and you can have up to three contact people. So their details um, need to be included. Um, their uh, information as such is not made public. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't go on to the information, um, incorporate society register and just look Find up. someone's phone number. No, yeah. no. <laughs> but uh, it, it must be included. Um, it talks a little bit about financial reporting, um, mm. how it sort of defines between a small and large organisation. I know when the drafts came out about what yeah. the Act was going to look like, a lot of us sort of said, Look, that fifty thousand dollars threshold is is not enough. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of organisations that are maybe between that fifty and eighty or fifty and a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that we would still say is a really small organisation. Uh, rightly or wrongly, um, if you're over that fifty thousand thre- threshold, you do uh, come in under. Um, the accounting standards, um, like tier four for a charity. Oh, so, oh, so it's oh, so you you still you could still choose accrual or cash. Yes, you can still do that. But yes. under fifty thousand means that you don't have you could you could be using an Excel spreadsheet to correct follow your yeah. ins and outs. So when you do your financial um, accounts at the end of each year, um, if it's under that threshold, it can just be a good old basic yeah. Excel spreadsheet of ins and outs. Yeah. Um, however, over that threshold, um, you actually have. Um, to follow the specific template, yeah, um, that is has a little bit more detail in it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, look, you know, um, through the Incorporated Societies Register, they're going to be having more information templates around that, and also to um, look, Parryfield Lawyers down in Christchurch have done an amazing oh, job in this space. They have um, through Stephen Moe and his team, uh, and on their website, which I'll give those details. 
shortly, they actually have an Incorporate Society's information hub, yeah, which has a lot of information and a lot of templates and resources that you can totally use. And in fact, CNA, um, like I say, we've just been working on ours um, because we want to be able to put it out in the public for others to see how we've managed some things. We've actually taken it to Stephen Moe. Um, he's been through it with a fine tooth comb as well and given it back to us to finalise, which we're at that point now. Um, and it, there was so much work that went into it, you sort of think you want to share that with others so they don't have to, you know, labour over the same stuff. One of the interesting things that caused consternation for some people was around the definition of officers, which has changed. Yeah, so um, under the new Act, um, it talks about a member of the committee of the society is an actual officer. Uh, and interestingly, it has to be a natural person, which, yeah. which um, yeah, you would have taken as being... you um, read it, yeah, just, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, that they've consented in writing to be uh, an officer, and as I mentioned before, they actually have to complete a, um, yep. a certification um, sort of document that they're um, you know, not a... Um, disqualified yes um, or undischarged bankrupt bankruptee um, as such mm. and interestingly yeah you know the definition of an officer um, it's someone who occupies a position that allows them to exercise significant influence yeah. um, over the management or administration of the society so so that does include managers yes. CEOs it could even include senior staff it could so you know especially probably from a financial Yes. Perspective: If they uh, are in a position where they do exercise significant influence, yeah. so those are those those key words. Um, yeah, so it's more than just those people that are on the actual board or, or yeah. your committee going forward. Again, I know we tried to get that changed uh, yes. in the final draft, but um, uh, I'm not going to say it actually fell on deaf ears, but obviously it is still included in the new Act. Yeah, and it might be that they considered it and thought, you know, this is about, um, I suppose, throwing a net out to, to ensure accountability of not just those on a committee, but, you know, those who are also influencing decisions through you know, an entity. I understand that, although I do think very hard to hold someone accountable to things if they didn't have a right to vote. Well, that is so true too. What it does mean, though, is you need to ensure that you have that real critical relationship yes. between your management and your and your and your governance and some very transparent processes. Indeed. So even it could be around the reporting from your chief executive or your manager back to um, your board meetings. Yeah. Um, super critical to make yeah. sure you've got that real accountability and transparency in place. Hey, just quickly, a couple of other key things is around there needs to be a conflict of interest um, uh, clause in your constitution. Uh, and it's not a conflict between people. It's no. around the interests of um, one of your officers. Yeah. It might be that where potentially you could gain financially, like your it business. Might, yeah, it might be that I own property as an individual and that my entity is looking to buy some property. Yes. Suddenly that could mean I have a conflict. Yeah, or it might be that you're with another board or another yes. organisation that could potentially financially gain from yep. any transactions as such. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a matter of, of declaring that and it would be that you would then look to abstain from any voting or discussions. Probably the other key one is around dispute resolutions. There needs mm. to be a dispute resolution clause um, in your constitution going forward. Before we sign off, can you just give us a detail on how people might access all this information? Because they have done some great work, right? Yeah, so Perryfield, their website is Perryfield, P-A-R-R-Y-F-I-E-L-D, 
www.perryfield.com. So www.perryfield.com. Go to their Incorporate Society's Information Hub. We'll be looking to have more information in on our website, but also uh, company's office through the Incorporate, Regist- Incorporate Society's register. And just watch this space. We'll keep talking about this and, and of course, service requests. People like Roseanne, very happy to walk you through it, right? Yes, <laughs> yeah. sure. And we will Maybe. be, we will be um, <laughs> recording some webinars and putting yes. that up on our website as well. That is us for another week. You have been listening to Connect with Community Wakato, Free FM 89.0. For more episodes of this Community Access Radio show, please visit freefm.org.nz. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast possible by funding the Access Internet Radio Project.